Hey guys. Hey. <laughs> it's good to be with you again. We're kind of making this a regular thing. How you guys doing? Good. How's doing okay? So hello. We are happy to have you here. I know that's something that gets said a lot, but it's because we mean it. We know there's a lot of places that you could spend your Sunday night and you've chosen to spend it with us. So I just want to say uh, just a genuine thank you for being here. Thank you for being here, church. I really appreciate it. Uh, also, I want to say hello to online, everybody watching around the world. Uh, let's get into it, guys. Uh, but before we do, man, I, ha I have a question. And when's the last time, honestly, that you imagined the life that you really wanted? When's the last time that you found yourself dreaming and actually, God forbid, believing that the best was yet to come in your life? When was the time that you, man, you found yourself driving and, man, you just started thinking about your future and it almost gave you the chills and you almost started laughing and just elated with excitement for the possibilities of what is to come in your life? Um, in this season, I get to do a lot of weddings and so I'm seeing a lot of couples start their adventure together and there's just this spirit of expectation of imagining, man, what are we going to do? Where are we going to live? Where are we going to travel? What is our family going to be like? Man, what is, career is God going to call us to? And you just feel this joy in, in a new couple as they talk about the unknown and the unexpected. And so church, um, if you would just uh, go with me for a minute, but I actually believe that the best is yet to come in your life. Um, I know it might sound cheesy, but I really believe it. I believe that you still have talents and giftings and callings and abilities that you haven't even tapped into yet. I believe that God is orchestrating things for you, and the Bible says he works all things for the good of those who love him. I actually believe that, that he's working things for the good for your life, that your moment hasn't passed. It's still coming. That he's bringing people to you. He's bringing new ideas to you. He's bringing new passions to you. And that your moment is coming. I still believe that your best life is ahead of you. We're in this series called Questions. And as I was uh, going through uh, some of the questions and, and kind of praying on what to speak about, to be honest with you, some of the questions were just straight up creepy. And th there were some that were really funny. And some that, that made a lot of sense. And so the, the general theme of the question um, that, that I picked from was, why is my life so hard because I'm a Christian? Why is my life so difficult even though I profess Jesus to be the Savior of my life? How come God intervenes in some ways and he doesn't intervene in others and my life just seems to get more difficult why is that? And so I'm going to spend some time talking about that question. But before I get into answering it, I want to address a myth. I want to address a myth that's in our Christian culture, a myth that's in the world. And the myth is simply this. The myth is, when I become a Christian, my life will get easier. So I heard a lot of you laughing like, oh, nope. Like, not even close. Or when I hear someone say, man, uh, I'm, I'm going to respond to do what God's calling me to do, and, and it's almost this naive approach to it. They're not considering the cost. I just looked at them, and I just, man, I said, gosh, you are in for it. 
but it's going to be an amazing ride. When you become a Christian, things change and things become more challenging. You're going to experience new challenges. You're going to stumble. You're going to get really, really, really frustrated a lot, most of the time, because you are changing. Your whole makeup, your spirit, the way you look at the world, the lens through which you see life is changing. I can't think of a greater example of this than marriage. And this isn't even on my notes. I'm just thinking about it as as I'm talking to you. Man, when you get married with someone, you just have to change. Oh, I don't change. No, No, you have to change. You have a lot of bad habits that you picked up. You are extremely selfish, way more selfish than you think you are. Not me. Um, (laughs) But you you have to change. It it gets tighter. Why? Because the hope is that one day we get to have a prosperous, beautiful, joyful marriage. To do that, that takes so much work, it's not even funny. The truth is, becoming a Christian actually brings more challenges. Stay with me. Please don't walk out just yet. Stay with me. They're like, oh, my God, this church is just intense. Oh, my God. No, we'll, we'll get to the good part. We'll get to the good part. But we see this again and again in Scripture. Abraham, God told him to go and inhabit a new land. Imagine that. Abraham, he'd grown up in the same area his whole life. He spoke the same language. He knew the same people. He worshipped um, in the same way that they worship. And God spoke to him and said, Abraham, I'm preparing a place for you. I want to send you there. And probably the most two powerful words in the Old Testament, Abraham went and started the journey of the Israelites um, to Israel one day. Guys, Abraham was in the desert for 40 years. All because he said yes to God. I think about Noah, when God said that he wanted to start over and that he was going to flood the earth and that he wanted Noah to be Uh, the beacon of hope for this new experiment. Noah agreed. And Noah spent 40 years building an ark. I think about Peter, who Jesus literally found Peter in the midst of his work. His name was Simon at the time, but he literally found Peter fishing. He had just got back from a fishing trip. Jesus calls him, and after doing some ministry, Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, I want to start this whole thing called church, and I want to do it on your back. You're going to be my first pastor. Do you think that going from from fishing every single day to managing hundreds and hundreds of churches throughout the Roman Empire was a little more challenging? I think of Paul, you know, high up uh, in the army. He had class. He had wealth gets called by Christ, he becomes a tent maker going from city to city preaching the gospel. When you say yes to God, your life will become more challenging. But what we forget to tell the world, and what I'm going to remind you of today, is that this hardness, these challenges, these frustrations can be the most exhilarating moments of your life. This is the whole point. This is what it's about. Because, church, nothing worth having, nothing worth having comes without a little bit of sacrifice and a little bit of suffering. Jesus said it like this in John 15, too. He says, 
I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts every branch that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear more fruit. Man, I was meditating on that even this morning. I was just like, man, that's crazy. So, so being connected to Jesus, when you're in the family of believers, when you're in the kingdom, God says, every part of your life that's not glorifying me, I cut. Every part that is not producing fruit for the kingdom of God has to go. And it doesn't have, but if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, if you're going to profess my son's name, if you're going to say that you have a high calling and that you want to live a life worthy to that calling, everything that does not glorify me needs to go. And then the Bible goes on to say the parts in your life that are actually glorifying God, the part that we can actually pat ourselves on the back and say, man, we're doing pretty good, God says, yeah, and I'm going to apply pressure to those areas. The parts that are going well, I'm going to prune those. So when things are going good, and then all of a sudden it's like, man, I was going so well. Where did this come from? Man, it just seemed like I was just in a groove, and all of a sudden I just got all this pressure in my life. you got to know that is God pruning you. Not for the sake of messing with you. Not for the sake of putting you down. Not for the sake of leaving you discouraged. But it's so that he can have his way with you whether you like it or not. He's got a plan for your life. He really does. He's got a purpose for your life. And to get the fullness out, he's got to prune you. He's got to cut every branch that doesn't give him glory. And he's going to prune the ones that do for his name's sake. You know, I was uh, thinking a, a few years ago, um, my, my mom has this big old spa in her backyard, like a 12-seater spa. And so every summer, me and my basketball buddies, we would get in there uh, either before or after a game. And so... Um, at the beginning of the summer, I would open up the lid to find what had ever found their way in there that past year. And so, man, I would find snakes, lizards. It was always like a new surprise. I mean, there'd be like a gopher just like, you know, floating in there. And so I would get in there and I'd, I'd empty out all the water. I'd, I'd bleach it. I'd scrub it. And so I walked over to the, uh, the pool store in our area and I asked the guy, I said, hey, I'm going to need some chlorine because I, you know, putting in some new water and all this stuff. Little small Asian guy behind the counter looks at me and goes, oh, no chlorine. I'm like, like no chlorine? No, he's like, no, you need shock treatment. I was like, oh, okay, shock treatment. So I go, I go get the shock treatment. I come up, I pay for it. Now, it, it could have been the lighting, but I swear at that moment he just disappeared. It could have been the lighting. I don't know. But I thought he was just gone. I was just like, shock of the treatment. Oh, he was just out of there. That totally didn't land. Um, that was a joke. He really didn't disappear. That was probably an insensitive comment. But what I learned about shock treatment was that the water can't respond to chlorine right away or it will reject it. So you need to put in a higher dose of chlorine so literally nobody can get into the water. No one can, can put a finger in there so the water can be prepared to function differently. You have to apply some shock treatment. Some people uh, out there, we need to start practicing the word no. When we think about the type of life we want to have and the type of impact we want to have in the kingdom, we, start, we need to start learning the word no. 
because, man, the, the type of life I want to have, the, the type of things I want to do, sorry, guys, we can't hang out anymore. The type of impact I want to make for the kingdom, for my marriage, the, the types of things I want to do as a husband and wife, sorry, friend, we can't hang out anymore. I need to let God prune this. My wife and I, we were on day seven of the whole 30. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but it's, if you haven't been to hell yet, it's like, it's, it's, it's definitely the next stop before hell. And so we're on day seven. And guys, it's hard, man. It's like all Whole Foods, paleo. I don't know what these things are called. It sucks. Guys, I want Wingstop. I want lemon pepper, bone-in, half Hawaiian boneless with a lot of ranch, Coke with like a little slice of lemon, and maybe some celery. Maybe some celery. But... I, I want wing stuff. It, it, it sucks eating carrots watching the NBA finals. It really does. <laughs> Everyone said, I'm just, it, it's not fun. But I know at this point in my life, the term moderation does not apply to me in terms of food. Who's been, oh, I'll just, oh, I'll just have wing stop for lunch on Mondays. And then the rest of the week, I'll have broccoli. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just have a little bit on Mondays. I've tried that. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, as much as I want. Moderation does not apply to me. Maybe you are someone who has been praying that God sends the right person that you can get in a relationship with. Which rela- I mean, for real, I'm, I'm just talking to you so it doesn't sound preachy. Maybe you're someone who is praying that you get married. So which relationships are the ones that need to be pruned? Maybe you're someone who's crazy enough to believe that Jesus does actually have a calling on your life. That it's going to mean you leaving to make something of yourself, to experience new challenges, new ups, new trials for the sake of the kingdom. Maybe there are some friendships that need to be pruned into your life. Maybe you've experienced the the sensation of you've been in prayer and you're just like, God, I know exactly what I'm called to do. Thank you, Father, for implanting that in my heart. And you go right over to that friend and talk to them about the dream that's in your heart and they completely shut it down. I'm just, can we be real for a while? I mean, just, we can be real, right? Guys, those relationships will actually keep you from who God's called you to be. Jesus takes this stuff so seriously. Because he wants the very, very best out of you for his name's sake. Nothing worth having comes from without some level of suffering or sacrifice. I love how uh, the uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu um, talks about this concept in regards to Nelson Mandela. He says, you know, when Nelson Mandela went to jail... He was young, and you could almost say bloodthirsty. He was head of the armed wing of the African National Congress, his party. He spent 27 years in jail, and many would say 27 years. What a waste. And I think people are surprised when I say no. The 27 years were necessary. They were necessary to remove the dross. The suffering in prison helped him to become more magnanimous willing to listen to the other side, to discover that people he regarded as his enemy, they too were human beings who had fears and expectations. 
and they had been molded by their society also. And without the 27 years, I don't think we would have seen the Nelson Mandela with compassion, magnanimity, and the capacity to put himself in shoes of the other. So know that if you are experiencing difficulty, true difficulty, I know people are experiencing really, really intense problems out there. I really do. We have to believe as a church that it is for the refining of your faith. It is for the refining of who you are as an individual. That God is actually leading this somewhere. That God actually has a, a plan for all this. And, and he's working it out. So trust that process. Trust that process of, man, I just feel like I can't get ahead. I feel like every time I say yes to God, my life gets harder. And that might be true. But no, it's because he's working something out in you. He's pruning you little by little because he wants to create something so magnanimous, something so beautiful that can make an impact that could potentially change the world forever. So I think the question that we have, that we really have, isn't, and why is my life so hard because I'm a Christian? But what we're really after is, how do I experience joy in the midst of this challenge? How do I experience joy in the midst of the challenge that I'm currently in? Because we don't want to live a life without challenges. No, no we, don't, we don't really want that. We don't want to live a life without ups and downs. You know, they say a, a life without ups and downs is kind of like a flat line. It's just stale. You, you want adventure. You want ups and downs. You want life. But what we're really after is that sense of joy, ecstasy, fulfillment, passion, and connection in our life. And I believe that can happen. But for us to live and breathe in that joy, our joy has to be anchored in hope. Our joy has to be anchored in the immovable force of hope. I believe that the amount of joy that you're experiencing right now in the midst of your challenge is a, di a direct correlation to how much hope you have in Jesus. I'll say that again. I believe that the amount of joy you are experiencing in your challenge is a direct correlation to how much hope you have in Jesus. Because Jesus actually promises that you can have joy in any circumstance. His promise was uh, not that life was going to be very easy. But his promise is that I will provide freedom and a covering over you no matter what life throws your way. A few years ago, uh, my mom was getting uh, ready to marry a man. And he's a good man. Uh, his name is Daryl. And they were preparing to get married. Uh, they had been dating for some time. They really wanted to do this the right way. Uh, our family was, was ready to receive him. And he was just a really, really good guy. And so they had gone out and they had uh, picked uh, their, their wedding venue. They had picked um, the music, the DJ. They had put down their deposit. And about a few months before the wedding, Daryl started complaining of stomach aches. And so he goes over to the doctor. The doctor says, man, I don't know, just you know, hang out for a little while, but we'll, we'll take some tests to make sure you're okay. 
He goes home. It's probably nothing. He gets a call from the doctor's office. Daryl, I need you to get down here right away. Uh, Daryl and my mom sit down with the doctor, and the doctor says, you have, uh, you have terminal cancer, Daryl. Um, and after some more tests, I told Daryl, you know, we, we're probably looking at about four to six months. Just like that. And so we pray, we go to church, we go to healing conferences, we go to every single thing we can possibly do for Daryl. But the four months is up now, and we all kind of get a sense of what's happening. And so the family was having a party, which was really an opportunity for all of us, um, friends and family, to kind of say goodbye to Daryl. And I remember pulling up to the street, and I got out, and I walked up to the door, and I thought I was at the wrong house for, for a while because when I walked up, I heard Marvin Gaye. And then I got a little closer, and then I heard people singing. I got a little closer, and I heard people dancing. I got about halfway into the door. Someone handed me a plate of food. I made it through the living room, and they caught me, like, halfway through the electric slide. And I was like, you know, you guys will know who you're messing with first. Like, let me show you, like, you know, how to do this thing, like, really quick. And I continue to walk in, and there's Daryl lying in the middle of the living room, gasping for breath. But it was this resounding laughter, this resounding joy. Why? Because of hope. We had hope where, where Daryl was going. We knew where he was going. We knew that the promises of God don't fail. Even when they're hardest, we know that God is with us in our circumstances. I want to leave you guys with a verse. Habakkuk 2.3 says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Basically meaning, write down what I told you and put it out in front of you so you don't forget it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So church, you remember what, when I asked you to imagine that? Imagine the vision that's in your heart. Imagine where your life could go if you really believe that God had called you to a high purpose. Imagine what it would look like in the midst of every single challenge, of every single struggle. When you look at yourself and you feel like I'm giving up, you're gonna look at the vision of God. You're gonna look at the vision that God has put in your heart. And you're gonna say, man, I'm gonna hope in Jesus. I'm gonna hope in that vision. I'm gonna hope in the high calling that he's called me to. I'm gonna hope in the places that he's taking me. I don't know where we're going, but I know that he is leading me somewhere. Can somebody say amen as I'm preaching? Can somebody say amen as I'm preaching? Can somebody say amen? Maybe there's somebody in a challenge. Maybe there's someone hurting tonight that just needs a word from God, and the word is hope. Just keep hoping. Keep hoping. I know it doesn't make sense, but just keep hoping because he's working it out. He's pruning you. He's shaping you. He's rearranging you. So church, I know that there are challenges. I know that it can also be the greatest adventure. But I know that to get there, it's going to take a whole lot of hope. Let's stand and worship God. Let's speak to the mountains in our life. Let's speak to the mountains in our life.